Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1509, 1509. Matthew chapter 9. Verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the, the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thus ends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it listen to the calling of our Lord and follow him. Whether you want to admit it or not, we all at one time or another have created an us and a them. There are those who, who fit the mold and then there are those who don't. How do you divvy up this world? What are the, the, the dividing lines that separate the us from the them? Maybe it's by the color of one's skin or their nationality. Perhaps it's by a person's IQ level. It could be by how much money they make or, or whether they vote a certain way, whether they vote Republican or whether they vote Democrat. What are the factors that, that, that you use to separate those you consider as righteous from those you would call sinners? Of course, there are always some who, who say that they don't divide. They, they, they treat everyone as equals. They are above the fray. But, but all that they have really done is to have created another separation between those who, who divide and those who don't divide. You see, even when a, when a person attempts to, to, to put their prejudices aside, there's still that temptation to judge others. And this is what our text is getting at today. Ever since we finished the Sermon on the Mount, we have been taking a close look at the healing ministry of Jesus. And in our course of this study, we have seen a theme develop concerning the authority of this King of Kings. And it was last week that we saw that the might of Christ extended even to the forgiveness of sins. Jesus sees into the hearts of men distinguishing between faith and evil thoughts. And it was to that paralytic that he said these words, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. And now today we see a, another sinner who needs Christ's forgiveness in the person named Matthew. 
You see, Matthew was a pariah in his own community. Being a tax collector, he was considered the worst of the worst. He was a traitor to his own people, for, for he had sided with the Romans in order to line his own pockets. If you had a catalog of, of the deplorables in that society, these tax collectors would have been near the top of that list. And if there ever was an us and a them, Matthew was surely a them. Let's see how Jesus treats this man. Look at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. We've seen already that Jesus can forgive a man his sins, but now he is calling this tax collector, this one who is at the bottom of the barrel, to follow him. What does it mean to follow Christ? As we went through the Sermon on the Mount, we saw that, that Jesus is, is interested in more than just a ritualistic obedience to the rules. But, but, but Christ desires a changed heart, a, a life that follows that narrow path filled with hardship and sacrifice. You see, when, when Jesus calls a man, he isn't just calling them into a certain lifestyle, but he is also calling them out of another. For Matthew, following Jesus meant leaving behind his profession. Being a tax collector was no longer an option for him. Think about that. This man left his career to follow Christ. As, as nefarious as being a tax collector was, it's, it was still his livelihood. What is it that Jesus is calling you out of? What is it about you and your lifestyle that, that, that would make others think that you are in the them category? Are you greedy for dishonest gain, willing to sell out your own people like Matthew was? Are you a drunkard or an addict, always looking for that next buzz? Maybe your addiction is for sexual pleasure. And so you, you go to the internet to satisfy that desire. It's been 2,000 years and nothing has really changed, has it? The, the, the deplorables of yesterday are the deplorables of today. The greedy, the sexually immoral, the drunkards. Our society looks down upon these sinners. And yet Jesus chose Matthew, this, this traitorous man, this tax collector, to be one of the twelve. And he still calls the lowest of the low to follow him. Christ is not afraid to mix it up with sinners. Look at verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Jesus went to the home of Matthew and broke bread with all of Matthew's friends. Part of this calling to follow Christ 
means introducing your friends to Jesus. If you consider yourself to be his disciple, then you have been tasked with the job of evangelism. Who are your friends and family and, and co-workers that do not know Jesus? What are you doing to introduce them to your new master? Next week, we, we are having our friend Sunday followed by a block party. I mean, what better way to get the gospel to these people than to invite them? Particularly if they, if they seem far off like, like these sinners at Matthew's table. How, how exciting would it be to have this whole room full of the, of the greedy and the, and the drunkards and the, and the sexually immoral so that they can hear the gospel and have a chance to repent? I mean, if, if you truly love them, then you should make every effort to see that they too receive forgiveness from the only one who can offer it to them. This is exactly what we see in our story today. Jesus ate with Matthew's friends so that they would turn from their sins and trust in him, receiving that forgiveness. But for some, this, this interaction of our Lord was an opportunity for slander. Look at verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? As Jesus' fame began to increase, he attracted the attention of the higher-ups as well. And while the, the, the miracles and the healings should have been demonstration enough for these Pharisees to know who Jesus was, that he was their Messiah, some of the words Jesus said and some of the things that he did were offensive to them. For this Jesus was not the kind of Messiah that they were expecting. Instead, they were looking for this warrior king, one who would trounce the sinful and uphold the righteous. Not only would he remove this, their Roman oppressors, but he would denounce the wickedness of his own people as well. By crushing those who refused to repent. But here we see Jesus being a friend to tax collectors and sinners. How could this man be their Messiah? But instead of going to Jesus directly, they went to his disciples with this question. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, this question is not so much an inquiry for information. Rather, its purpose was to slander Jesus. It was a form of gossip, trying to undermine Christ's authority with his disciples. This same practice is done today, is it not? Somebody does something that a person doesn't like, and instead of confronting them, they'll go to their friends and question why they did what they did. The intent is not to find an answer, but to bring that person down a notch in the, in the eyes of those friends. These Pharisees were at odds with Christ, and so they tried to take him down 
by getting his followers to question him. But Jesus knew what they were up to. And, and he answered their critique with these words. Look at verses 12 and 13. Upon hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Christ, this master physician, knows what it means to heal the sick. But the disease that he is referring to is something far worse than having a fever or being blind or even being paralyzed. The cure to those other things only takes a minor procedure. But this sickness that he is referring to requires doing heart surgery. It is, this man's, it is man's sinfulness that needs healing. What Jesus is doing here is he is stating his mission. He has come not to crush sinners, but to cure them from within. Where these Pharisees divided up their world between the righteous and the wicked, Jesus makes no distinction. For all men are sinful and in need of this healing. And so, so he says to these Pharisees, go and learn what this means. To say this phrase to those who claim to be experts in the law was a jab at their egos. He, he was treating them as, as pupils who were learning the scriptures for the very first time. And what were they to learn? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That phrase comes to us from our first scripture reading that we read in Hosea chapter 6. Now if you know anything about Hosea, you would know that God commanded this prophet to take a prostitute as his wife. Why would God do this? Well, he was asked to do this as a sign of what Israel had become. For, for the nation had prostituted itself by running after false gods. And because of this, God had brought about judgment upon this people. But what do we read in chapter 6? Look at verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Sounds good, doesn't it? It's, I mean, it seems like these people have learned their lesson. They have repented and now they are trusting in God once again. But that wasn't the case. This was a false repentance. Look at verse 4. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. 
I killed you with the words of my mouth. My, my, judgment, my judgment flashed like lightning upon you. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It doesn't sound like God has bought into their crocodile tears. What, what, what Israel was doing was treating Yahweh just like their false gods. They thought that they could manipulate him through their outward expressions of worship. If we will just go back to the sacrifices, then surely God will have to show us mercy. Little did they know that God sees into the hearts of men. You see, Israel never truly repented. They were just putting on a show, hoping that, that things would change because of it. But God doesn't desire a people who, who, who wear a religious shell but have nothing on the inside. What he desires is for them to have a heart of mercy and this acknowledgement of God. You see, the idolatry in Israel led them to treat their fellow man in wicked ways. Look at verses 7 through 10. Like Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were, they were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of wicked men, stained with footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a man, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, committing shameful crimes. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There, Ephraim is given to prostitution, and Israel is defiled. Pictures of violence and thievery and sexual immorality, all of which stem from a rejection of the image of God that is ingrained in every man. To, to, to strike another, you must first reduce that person as being lesser. To, to steal from another, you must first take away the value that they have as a human being. To treat the body of a, of a woman or a man as some sort of toy for your own sexual gratification, you must first remove the image of God. This is what verse 6 means. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. God was telling them, start treating your neighbors with love and respect before you come to me with your false piety. And this is what Jesus was telling these Pharisees. You, you judge these tax collectors and these sinners, showing them no mercy. You treat them as if they weren't created in the image of God. Instead of correcting them and helping them back up, you condemn them. And then you go about your business of being righteous. You put on a show, practice, practicing piety and following the commands of the law down to the minutest of details, yet you have ignored the primary concerns of the Lord, for you have failed to love your neighbor. You are like an oyster with no pearl. Outwardly, you look like a treasure box, but, but once you are opened up, you're empty. Dear friends, Jesus did not come to call the righteous. 
He came to call sinners. Which are you? Matthew fit the bill. He knew that he was undeserving. He had let his greed determine his actions. And yet Christ showed him mercy. And it was this mercy that that motivated him to introduce his sinful friends to the one who could forgive them. It was this grace of our Lord that led to this tax collector becoming a witness to each and every one of you. You see this? This is the very Matthew who wrote this gospel. This gospel that we have been diligently studying for the past year. And if you have gained, if you have gained any benefit from his words, then you should realize that it was this deplorable man, one of the them, that gave to you the love of Christ. Maybe you are here today and you find yourself relating to this Matthew guy. You are guilty of some grievous sins. Perhaps you are thinking to yourself that you are unworthy of God's love. Jesus is calling you. He offers to you forgiveness through his shed blood upon the cross. He will show you mercy and compassion for you you were created in his image. Turn from your sins and trust in him. But maybe you are more like these Pharisees. You know your Bible well. You are faithful to come to church every Sunday. You give, you serve, you check all the boxes. And yet because of this, you look down your nose at those who are not like you. If this is you, then take Jesus' words to heart. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have come to call the I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let us pray. Father, we confess to you that, that all have made all of us, we have made divisions in this life. We all have an us and a them. Help us to see the, the, the folly of our ways. Help us, help us to see your image in our fellow man. Help us to repent by the, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And let us look to Jesus, this one who calls us out of our sinfulness and tells us to follow him. Aid us in this endeavor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.